The sign says, show me thy glory. I believe if God was writing the reply, he would say, give me your heart. Give me your heart. I am amazed when I read Exodus 33. And I realize that there are basically three types of people that were led out of Egypt. Those that trusted God. Those that trusted God and wanted to follow God. And those that were along for the ride. With the Lord's help, I'd like to speak to each one of those groups of people which I believe are here this evening. But there's one man that stands out. We've talked a lot about him. And that is Moses. When we talk about the word glory, we've had our classes, and I'm hoping that many of you in your classes talked about the definition of glory. Glory is something, simply put, that's weighty. It has various meanings. In some cases, it means splendor, brightness. But the root word means weighty. If you would put it in scientific terms, it would be that which has matter. And then I think of the reply of the heart. The heart is the soul. It's the center of who we are. Often in the Bible, it's used as representation for the intellect and the spiritual wherewithal of a person. And so when you talk about God's glory, this weighty subject, something that really matters, in the classes we've talked about that which defines who God is, what he wants from us, how we can praise him. I think of our hearts. 
And I think of Jeremiah, the prophet said that the heart of man is desperately wicked. Who can know it? And you begin to realize that if you want to experience the glory of God, you need to have a heart transplant. I'm not talking physically. I'm talking spiritually. That's where the work has to be done. And that's what Moses recognized as he led these people, these three groups of people, out of the land of Egypt. And I believe that there are a lot of us here that have been led out of the slavery of Egypt, but we're still at Mount Sinai. Because we fail to do as Moses and as Moses led as by example to his people. And what did Moses do? I want to look back at some verses in Exodus. Some of them were read. I'd like to read them again. In Exodus 33, And it came to pass that everyone which sought the Lord went out into the tabernacle of the congregation, which was without the camp, a distance from the camp. That phrase, everyone which sought the Lord. Verse 13, Now therefore I pray thee, if I have found grace in thy sight, show me now thy way, that I might know thee. Verses 14 and 15. And he said, My presence shall go with thee. I will give thee rest. And he said unto him, If thy presence not go with me, carry us not up hence. What Moses was saying is, If you're not going with me, I'm not going. I have a question for the believers this evening. Since when do we stop at Mount Sinai? Since when do we stop pursuing God? Since when do we stop coming to know Him? It is a lifelong journey. And it strikes me how God's glory, how God's glory is shown. When you look at this particular chapter, you realize that, first of all, many times God's glory is shown in a time of crisis.
Brother Bob last night talked about the anger of Moses because when he went up into that mountain 40 days and he came down, the people had sinned. We talked about that last night. 3,000 men, it said 3,000 were killed. And worst of all, they were ordered to kill their brethren. Those that they had journeyed with. Those that were along for the ride. There's a verse in Ephesians, maybe Philippians, that says that I might know him and the power of his resurrection. God's glory in a time of crisis. We live in a time of crisis. I thought about that. I thought about some past camps. Matter of fact, I thought about one camp where we spent a morning breakfast before we were ready to go home. It was at Camp Massanetta down the road here a little ways with a young man that would be traveling the country. Some of you might know him. He is my son-in-law's uncle. His name was Jerry Ebener. I'm not sure. We might have been one of the last people to sit with him. Young man, he was excited, telling us about how he was going to Canada. And for those who don't know, he made that trip all the way to Canada And lo and behold, some pickup truck came out in front of him and his life was snuffed out like that. Where is God's glory in that? And I remember, I remember the youth rally. You see, I had come just into the Apostolic Christian Church. I was a young man from the neighborhood. I didn't know much of these people, just started to get to, to know some of these individuals And I remember that youth rally, and I remember a letter that they found in his bag, and I remember some of the words that he had talked about his relationship with his God. And I remember the effect it had on the young people and those who came to the Lord. I'm thinking of of a sister. Not that long ago, I was talking to a brother, a sister from Mansfield, Christy Bullyance. I remember that young group that stood up here at the stage and sang a song where she was with them as they floated down the river as they talked about preparing to meet the Lord. And only two days later, she would. And I remember, as this brother told me, who was one of her peers, said it was one of the greatest testimonies he has ever had in his life. A young girl, beautiful young girl, with her whole life ahead of you. Life snuffed out, but she was ready. 
God's glory in a time of crisis. For those who were at the forum with Brother Tom, I, I almost felt like some of the thoughts that he shared, he was very personal. It's not recorded, I'm sorry to say. But he talked about the crisis that he's had in his life, and there was others that shared. And there was just a sense of love, frankly, that I felt. As, as, as one brother described how the church came together to pray for him in a time of crisis. God's glory is also in his presence. Moses became a man who sought after God. And the people knew that. It says that he would gather in the front of the tent and he would go in and the pillar would come down and fill the tabernacle. And that when he came out, his face would be aglow. His face would be in such a glow that they actually put a veil over his face. God's glory in his presence. How do you find God's glory in his presence? Is it just coming to church, coming to camp? When is the last time you laid yourself out before the Lord? Not for five, not for ten, not for a half hour, but for hours. Notice how Moses went in day after day in the presence of the Lord. And oh, by the way, when you see God's glory, others may see it first. Others may see it first. God's glory is also through obedience. I read a story about, and I'm sure many of you know the story, about Ann Sullivan who taught Helen Keller, who was blind and deaf. taught her to the point where she became the first blind and deaf woman to ever obtain a bachelor's degree. And her statement was, obedience 
was the gateway to the knowledge for a child. Obedience is that gateway. As she had to form impressions upon her hand, the only way to communicate with her. The same is true with God. I could rattle many verses to you. Most of you know those verses. If you love me, you shall keep my commandments. Behold, obedience is better than sacrifice. King Saul had to learn that. But when it comes to Moses, I think it's worth noting his life. Moses was a man whose life you could divide up into 40-year increments. Some say that he spent the first 40 years learning to be somebody under the Pharaoh, under royalty. His anger got him in trouble. We talked about that last night. And so he fled into Sinai, and he spent the next 40 years of his life being a nobody, a shepherd in the desert. We talked about that in the forum this afternoon or this morning. Deserts are like that. But obedience was his gateway to the knowledge of God. Because you see, it says that he knew him by name. It said that God spoke to him as a friend, face to face. And he could do that because he had a desire to know him. And, of course, the last 40 years of Moses' life was a body that God could use. Where are you on that journey? We have, I want to read a couple of verses come to mind in Hebrews. Hebrews eleven twenty four. By faith, Moses, when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a, for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ 
greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. He was willing to suffer. He was willing to be in the wilderness. He was willing to be a nobody so that God could build a character in him because he sought God on a regular basis. It didn't end when he came out of Egypt. God had important things for him to accomplish in his life. And only through that obedience that he had to his God could he finally be used. Where are you on that journey? And finally, God's glory is shown in Jesus. In John, it talks about, and the word of God was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Second Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13. And not as Moses which put a veil over his face, that the children of Israel could not steadfastly look into the end of that which was abolished, but their minds were blinded, for until this day remained the same veil untaken away in the reading of the Old Testament, which veil is done away in Christ. You have the opportunity. We have the opportunity to be in the presence like Moses was of the glory of God. We have the opportunity to be used as Moses was used to reach those who don't know Jesus Christ. And oh yeah, I know there are some here that are long for the ride. And I have something for you too. Maybe it's my age when I start thinking about camps past. But one of my thoughts went back to the elder I knew when I was young who stood up here every Friday evening and reached into the hearts of young people to try to tell them of what was ahead. I wonder if Moses was here tonight and if he would do like he did 
at Mount Sinai and say, all of those who want to follow me on this side and all of those who don't on this side, would you make that decision tonight? You know, we talk about staying back when you're convicted. You know, Brother George never stayed back. He never sat in the back rows looking for somebody. No, because there was a line at his door. People knew where he would be. People knew what they wanted when they came to camp. I did. I didn't need anybody to tell me I have to wait. I knew what I needed to do, and I needed to talk to a a minister. I needed to talk to an elder. And as much as we like the friends and the young ones talking among themselves and encouraging, and I just talked to a sister on the way up from one of our forums, and we talked about her brother, and I said, you know, he, his comment to me was one of the first things, and I still remember looking into, his, looking into my eyes and saying, so how about Gib? Where does Gib stand tonight? And that's all he had to say. And I knew where I had to go. I went to a minister. I went to Brother George because I knew that that would be a commitment I would have to make. And I wanted it now. Because I remember those Friday sermons, and I remember him reading out of Revelations 13, and I remember when he talked about the mark of the beast, and he talked about the economy, and he read that verse, and I had it because I did end-time presentations, and, and it says, And he that causeth all, both small and great, rich and poor, free and bond, to receive a mark in their right hand or their foreheads, that no man might buy or sell unless he have the mark of the beast. And I ask you today, what has to happen for you to understand just where we are? In 2008, we came that close to be in a worldwide economic disaster. As the Federal Reserve went to President Bush and said, we need this cash $85 billion, or all of the markets will be locked up, frozen. Your dollar is worth nothing. You can't buy anything. And if you think that that's over, you better think again. I have to ask myself, you know, I like to watch the news. I'm I'm watching the golf I watch the, the oil cap, and I, and I look at the, this oil that comes up, and I'm thinking, wow, can't they cap this thing? This is, a, this is a man-made event here. This is a man-made mistake, and lives are ruined. Coastlines have been damaged. The economy has suffered, and this was on a small man-made event. And I think of the earthquakes. I think of Haiti. I think of the tsunamis that have happened. And I think to myself, and I think of those who have come to camp after year after year, and those who are along for the ride, just how many things have to happen before you understand that God is in control and you are not. You want to hear? You think you've seen an oil spill? You think that's bad? Let me read to you a little bit of what's coming. 
And when he opened the seventh seal and there was silence in heaven about the space of a half hour, I saw the seven angels which stood before God and to them that were given seven trumpets. And another angel came and stood at the altar having a golden censer. And there was given to him much incense that he should offer it with the prayers of all the saints upon the golden altar which was before the throne. And the smoke of the incense which came with the prayers of the saints ascended up before God out of the angel's hand. And the angel took the censer and filled it with fire of altar and cast it into the earth. And there were voices, thunderings, and lightnings, and earthquakes. And the seven angel which had the seven trumpets prepared themselves for the sound. And the first angel sounded, and there followed hail and fire mingled with blood. And they were cast upon the earth, and a third part of the trees were burnt up, and all the grass, green grass was burnt up. And the second angel sounded as it was, as it were, a great mountain burning with fire, and was cast into the sea. And the third part of the sea became blood. And a third part of the creatures which were in the sea and had life died. And a third part of the ships were destroyed. And the third angel sounded, and there fell a great star from heaven, burning as it were a lamp. And it fell upon a third part of the rivers and upon the fountains of the waters. And the name of the star is called Wormwood. And a third part of the waters became Wormwood, which means bitter. And many died of the waters because they were made bitter. I have to tell you, the Bible says, today, while you hear his voice, harden not your hearts. said that about the people of Israel, the children of Israel whose hearts became so hardened, who thought they had things under control, who thought they got out of Egypt enough, only to realize they would not experience God's glory they would experience God's wrath. I believe all of us need to think about where the future holds. I'm not here. I don't believe in scare tactics. I really don't. That's not the purpose. Because even here, if you read chapter 7, it talks about those that had the seal of the servants of God in their foreheads were not hurt. God protects his own. God can get us through the times of crisis. God wants you to know him. And I'm wondering how much we want to know him. I ask myself first, I read, a, I read a small story about George Beverly Shea when he was 
teaching in college, and he was obviously a very gifted man and played the piano, studied at a Bible college, and he moved to New York, and he auditioned for a radio station, and they liked him and offered him a contract. And he asked them, he said, will I be able to sing my gospel songs? They said, maybe. But you see, we play music for the pop charts, and you need to play what sells. His mom heard that. His mom knew about that. She prayed hard for George. And she got up early in the morning, and, or maybe it was late at night, stuck a little poem on the piano. When George woke up that next morning, he saw that poem, and he wrote a tune to a hymn that we sing. I'd rather have Jesus than silver or gold. I'd rather have him than have fortunes untold. He canceled the contract. I don't know where your contract is tonight. I don't know who you made it with. I don't know where your pursuits are at. But we will. We will give account. And if you want to see God's glory, you need to get to know him tonight.